0: Hey everyone, welcome to Photography Chat, Season 2, Episode 31 with Alistair Ann. Uh, we'll just uh, get Alistair in here and uh, then we will get kicked off with the chat. Um, hope y'all been having a good week. It's been pretty toasty here and a bit smoky uh, in on t- in Vancouver and British Columbia. Um, but here we go. Let's get there. Hey Tim. The kitty just attacked my foot. Um, hello. Hi. Good to see you.
1: So good to see you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. I'm very excited to chat with you. Really uh, love seeing your work on Instagrams.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. This is a first, as I told you. So I'm, I'm like, I'm so excited to see all of this in real life. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's been a lot of fun. Like this is, um, like maybe the 50th total episode or so in total um, since I started this like last year. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Eric's on here from, uh, from California. How's it going, Eric? Um, got a lot of people coming on through. Uh, how's, how's your week been going?
1: So far, so good. Um, uh, it's my boyfriend's birthday today. So we've been celebrating kind of today, which is great. But um, but yeah, it's, I'm in Nashville, so it's very, um, hot and humid and, nice. and the fire. It's, it's perfect right now. How is your week going so far?
0: My week's not been too bad. Uh, Nashville is cool. It's been a couple of years since I've been, uh, been down that way. Um, the only time I've ever captured lightning on film was in Nashville. Um, there's like a crazy thunderstorm happening there um, one year when I was out there. Um, But I'm up in uh, Kamloops right now, which is uh, a couple hours um, away from Vancouver in the interior. Um, I'm going to Cranbrook to take some photos for a friend and I'm just hanging out with, uh, with my dogs and visiting with them. They live with, uh, they live with my ex-wife here in Kamloops. Um, So it's just, it's nice to see them. I don't get to see them very often.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. What are their names?
0: Um, the big guy here. This one. This is Peng. And this one <laughs> is May. Oh, they look. What's that? Sorry.
1: They look so happy.
0: They are happy little dorks. Um, they just turned twelve <laughs> here, so they're getting they're getting up there in age. Um, but they're very good puppies and um, I miss them a lot so it's nice to see them the last couple of days.
2: That's yeah, it's been
0: very I hot. actually... Oh sorry, go ahead.
1: No, after
2: you.
0: Oh, I just it's been very hot up here in Kamloops though because this is uh, kind of like a, uh, a semi-arid desert up here so it's been like near 40 degrees up here which is um, a little toasty.
2: Yeah.
1: It's nice to be inside. I am so excited for you and, and your adventure to come to photograph. That sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. So I'm headed to Cranbrook, which is about um, eight hours away from Kamloops. It's kind of in the Rocky Mountains. And uh, a friend out there, um, Ferdy, he used to be my bass teacher when I played in music uh, and a lifetime ago. Um, him and some friends are rebuilding an old movie theater into like a multi-purpose arts facility. And um, this weekend is like a, a big sort of pivotal event for them. Cause one of the things that they need to do to sort of finalize the rebuilding of it is they're putting in some new roof beams. So they've got um, all of the um, roads shut down around it and they're going to have a big crane coming in and it's going to be a big media event. So I'm going to go there and shoot some film for them.
1: That's Amazing. How, um, I, I mean, I don't want to go on the subject of, of COVID life, but how has it been up there?
0: It's been a little weird, uh, like COVID-wise, because there, there's a lot, like, I mean, everywhere, like the anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, and all that kind of stuff are, are everywhere. And um, I've been living in Toronto up until May. And uh, out in the East Coast and Toronto and stuff, uh, COVID was taken extremely seriously. And like we were in some like crazy lockdowns and stuff there for most of it. And then when I moved out here in May, it was almost like COVID didn't exist. It was kind of like a very different sort of world. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit different. So yeah, um, that's
1: now you would never know <laughs> that really? it existed. Yeah, it's bizarre.
0: So do you do you split your time between Nashville and California then or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I full time was in Los Angeles up until when COVID hit. And so I would say this last year, it's been more so Nashville. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to LA and, and bouncing back and forth. But yet still, when I talk to friends and catch up, it's it's just not the same city right now. Um, just, I don't know, it's really deplete. I'm going out in uh, two weeks for a bit. And yeah, I'm kind of curious to see it with my own eyes. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious where how everyone is around the world right now of just um, feeling limited right now. And just still kind of shaking off, not feeling right or not the same right now. But Hoping that it's not just me. But.
0: <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's just you. Like everything has been really weird through all of this. Cause like, um, I mean, like our main, um, our main like doctor, our top doctor for all of Canada, Doctor Teresa Lamb, just like went on the official um, notice thing today, saying that Canada is in their official fourth wave, and so it's like, you know, because of Delta. Yeah. Um, cases are on the rise but because of vaccinations it's a very different wave from the other three that we've had um so um it's a little like because people are more vaccinated it's not as many hospitalizations and and not as many deaths but um it's still prevalent and Mm -hmm. um they're still asking us all to be like vigilant and safe and like wash our hands you know wear masks um, get the vaccine kind of thing just so that we can minimize it because you know the joys of delta even if you're vaccinated it doesn't mean you can't get it it just means your chances of being hospitalized are a little bit less so um that was definitely a consideration when i was thinking about leaving vancouver this weekend to go take these photos was um you know should i just stay home and sort of avoid intermingling with with people and stuff like that and I decided this was something that I didn't want to miss because it's I would feel like I would regret it a lot later if I were to miss it so I've just kind of decided yeah. I'm gonna do the trip but like I'm getting a hotel and I'm not gonna really see people very often so I'll just be like go stay go take photos stay masked you know say hi to everyone from a safe distance and then go hide in my hotel before uh I decoff.
1: yeah <laughs> No, that
0: sounds like the smart way, yeah, but it's also been kind of tough too, 'cause um I'm a little pissed with Delta right now because, like I mean we're all like you know fatigued and exhausted with like Covid and how much it's stolen from us like time wise and everything, and um I was making some fun plans with a friend of mine in Texas to um I was gonna fly down. Uh, to Denton, which is just outside of Dallas. And um, my friend Armand and I were gonna road trip down to Galveston for um, an exhibition that Jason Lee is gonna be doing at the end of August. And then I was nice. gonna Yeah, it, it was gonna be so cool. Like I was gonna hang out with uh, Armand for September basically in Denton, because um, Policon, which is like a big Polaroid uh, festival, um, that's at the end of September. So he was like, Well, if you're gonna come down for the Galveston thing, why not just stick around? And we were gonna go like road trip out to Marfa and like do some some cool stuff, like just check out some stuff in Texas. And then when I saw like the, the case spikes of Delta kind of popping up everywhere, I was like, you know, maybe spending a month in Texas isn't the best idea right now.
2: Yeah,
1: it's, I don't know, it's almost just like the long-term things of life that it's like, Granted, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a glass half full kind of person, but um, that there there will be that time. It's just it's just still not yet.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. But, so, what is like? So you said it was your boyfriend's birthday. What has been like celebrating COVID been like?
1: Uh, still somewhat at a distance. I mean, thankfully, <laughs> like with with our group um, or with our bubble. Everyone's been vaxxed. And um, I don't know, it's, again, I would say that it's not as if we're very sociable people either, like we are, but still kind of, I don't know, like, I just remember even when it felt kind of comfortable to see a person how just I don't, again, I'm like, I always ask how everyone else is and dealing with things because I was just it's like you go through all the motions of just seeing one person in person for the first time. And um, yeah, and then having, you know, three people together and just, yeah, it it was really lovely though. We were able um, to have a few beers and, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just kind of hang out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just here in Nashville, it's so lovely outside and just being able to walk around I don't know there's so many beautiful parks and stuff too so it's been nice it's been really good I, uh,
0: I rented the bird scooters when I was in Nashville and was just... <laughs> so it was fun except when you got onto like the cobblestoney things and you're like <laughs> 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 That's, it That's felt so like fun. a like rattle some like fillings out or something um but, other than that, it was a lot of fun, like I really enjoyed Nashville, and uh would definitely love to go back again another time.
1: you should man and let me know because it's there's so many new spots i mean it's it's drastically changed too, from I would say even four years ago, so many people now are moving here, so it's yeah it's really entertaining i'm sorry i i'm, I'm feel like I don't but um, no. I got this new little boy and oh. <laughs> In my palace standing not to claw um, and <laughs> how to play nicely. <laughs> He's clawing.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah I, I had a kitty attacking my feet a few minutes ago so I, I can <laughs> feel pain. You know how
2: it feels.
0: <laughs> I gotta say so like my most favorite part of Nashville and was like the thing that I looked the most forward to was like spending time at the Kid Rock bar
1: wait <laughs> actually Ben, hold on are you serious I or kidding. i i feel I was... it's friends here so i
2: joke or not
0: <laughs> i i was i was joking a bit but i walked past it and i was just like what is this thing It was a little intense but there was a um like a, a rock museum or something that was across from it and that was pretty cool yeah it, it was There's um, a... I like it. Yeah.
2: which
1: Sorry, you broke out for a second.
0: Oh, so you were you're talking about history out there?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want this to be like a Nashville episode for you, but, um, but I, there's so much to talk about here. But, no, as far as um, country bars, and, I, I mean, I'll say bars, but even just the country history out here, it's, it's amazing how they still respect it, at least the, the old world of it, um, yeah. even though there's a lot of new stuff.
2: But yeah,
0: that's cool. So, is that is Nashville where you got started uh, doing photography, or?
1: Um, so it actually was more so when I was in—I don't know how far to reel it back. It was high school with my dad's uh, Pentax camera. So having that in high school in a dark room back then too, um, that's kind of like where I learned the lay of the land. But um, but I was so adamant about fashion design. And uh, so there was uh, this college called fitum out there in in Los Angeles. So I went out there, but it was just, it's always funny. um, I guess I was so adamant about fashion, but yet photography was just a fun hobby to have. And then like photographing your like project that was you know due that week, or um, I don't know, just like friends needing photos, and then MySpace days. So it was just I always had my camera on me, um, but never for some reason never put two and two together of just thinking that you can actually make this a job. But um, but yeah, I started in LA for a little bit, um, and then really it was kind of when it switched gears was when i was so unhappy and just if felt so forced all the time of trying to get a job or just even an internship and um and the people he would meet i mean i don't i don't want to talk ill of the fashion world but um it's progressed a lot since then too i feel as far as independent um designers and just kind of um ethically building a a team and and where you source your stuff. So, so yeah, so I was having a hard time with that. And then um, photography just kind of whittled its way in. And then um, I got a job from MySpace or offer for a job. And uh, I'm still clawing this sheet. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, it was and Um, I talked to my mom about it and I didn't have any money, uh, at that point being a broke college student. And, uh, she sold something on eBay to cover my plane ticket. So it was just kind of like that nudge of let's test the waters and call myself a photographer and see. Um, so yeah, so I did that and then came back to LA and I was like, I, I'm just going to pursue this and call myself one. And and see how many people I can con into I you know it's like that fake it till you make it kind (laughs) of and um I was I was very ruthless of thinking that why not and um so yeah so I moved out here and then um it was just kind of I don't know it was meeting you know a a musician and then um just kind of they needed photos and it went from, Hey, just, you know, you can buy me lunch in exchange for it to, wow, this is turning into a real job. And, um, I, I don't know. I really, it was just like so bizarre how easy it was. Cause I felt like with fashion, I was just kind of trying to swim upstream if that makes sense. But, but yeah, so Nashville is really kind of where it all started.
0: Nashville and Myspace.
1: It's funny to talk about because it's like every time I, I kind of would talk about Flickr or MySpace with friends, it's, you could almost tell that it's like they're in the conversation, but then also like reverting back to your MySpace profile and, you know, and just kind of remembering that time of music and. You know that socializing, Um, but yeah, MySpace days.
0: My MySpace was so emo; it was terrible. I was like just this like drunk kid that played in shitty punk bands and took pictures of like other people's bands to get into shows for free, and that's basically what my MySpace page was. For the younger folks that are listening or listening to this later on podcasts. MySpace was like Facebook before Facebook was a thing. Yeah. And it still exists. Uh, now it's like more for music, I guess.
1: Is it really kind of coming back? Because I remember hearing that Justin Timberlake was wanting to maneuver it again. But I don't know if it fully
2: worked.
0: So it's still running. I. A couple of years ago, logged in to my MySpace account. No, and, like kind of like updated it a little bit. So it was a little less cringe. But here's the problem. I don't think MySpace will ever be the same again without Tom.
2: Because
0: mm-hmm. like, Tom, made where money. is Tom? Tom took the huge payout and fucked off to like Nepal or something like he uh, just like disappeared off the the face of the tech world. Oh, I man. salute
1: Friends. Tom. That was
0: Yeah, you know, Tom, Tom is like, you know, one of the few tech guys that didn't want to go to space and, uh, you know, build electric cars and shit. <laughs> so we need more tech. Well, at least it Tom. was
1: at one of those. Right. But but the fact that he was so proud of that, that his ego didn't want to say I wanted to create something new and better, that he was just like, I did it, I'm, I'm done, see you never.
0: Exactly, you know. And, and Tom, I think, probably in the history of all like online friend things, had the most friends, because like, everyone was friends with Tom.
1: <laughs> so how many friends do you think he has in real life now? I wonder.
0: Enough. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs)
2: He made plenty of friends.
0: Friends, but like, that's like an interesting thing too, is these online personas that we have. And like, when you look at, you know, people that have like tens of thousands of followers on their Instagrams and things like that. But if you were to talk to them, they probably only have like, you know, a handful of, of friends or people that they trust that are like close in their circles um so it's like,
2: right
0: it's a tough thing to look at that because I, I think like this social media driven world that we live in is a bit of a misnomer for that kind of stuff because like you know we're sitting here on the sidelines being like wow that person has like a hundred thousand followers like they must be like so popular and it's like you know they're probably sitting in their apartment just as sad as you are
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, it, and I don't know if, um, did you take part in Flickr as well? I'm sure you
2: did.
0: A long time ago. I don't know how to get into my Flickr account, but it has some really, really terrible photos from, like, when I thought I was a photographer in, like, the early 2000s, and I don't know how to, like, get them gone. So it's just, like, don't go Google Merlin Boisnow Flickr because it's embarrassing. i going to go now. Um,
1: but I mean, like you were saying, it was a different time because I, for me joining Flickr, um, almost like the Polaroid community, it was just, it became, and maybe it was because it was a different time that meeting people from online was, it felt innocent. I mean, maybe, maybe people on TikTok are like, this is, this is like the new Flickr, but, um, meeting photographers from Flickr, I remember. That was just, that was mind boggling. And um, one of my oldest friends, I, I had met her from MySpace slash Flickr. And um, it, it was just so cool to be able to to do that. And it's like the internet versus real life, but when you combine the two for something really good, um, I don't know, it's it's always a good story.
0: I think it's a great story because like, I, I never, had a chance to meet too many photographers off of Flickr. But this might even be like a further blast. Um, There was a bunch of people who I met off of DeviantArt way back in the day, who I still talk to
2: I Yeah,
1: I I didn't take part in that, but I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and that's still around too. Um, And, you know, my DeviantArt profile, good luck trying to find it, because it has no <laughs> usernames tied to who I am now, but it's terribly cringy. And I decided to leave it there as like a time capsule to remind me like how cheesy I was as a twenty something.
1: Well, <laughs> no, that's good. It's like a diary.
0: It well, it was a very sad emo boy diary about like, you know, why don't <laughs> girls like me? Why don't people like my photos more? <laughs> <laughs> Now, I just post that on Instagram. Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good.
0: But Instagram has been great for connecting to photographers as well. Like, um, I've been very um, lucky to meet a ton of really great people um, off of Instagram and through Instagram um, since like 2018. And um, you know, like you mentioned, the Polaroid Thanks. community there, and like the Polaroid community was one that I really got connected to through Instagram. And uh, you know, most of those people now are like real life friends, where you know we're not just internet pals, but like we've hung out in person and um, you know text each other. And I can't wait to see them again once um, all of this shit uh, gets unwired. And just like you know, Pete just joined here. Uh, Pete Kamask. Uh, Damascus is here. He is a fantastic large format photographer from uh, Massachusetts. And uh, we've done episodes of this show that we called large format Fridays uh, together. And I still have yet to meet Pete in person. But you know, we're pals. Love the dude. <laughs>
2: That's so cool. Oh,
1: I can't wait to check out his work. That's awesome.
0: Pete does some really cool stuff, all large format. And um he also, just before COVID, bought um, Jason Lee's old Lincoln Town Car that was used for a bunch of his photo road trips. And uh, Pete is keeping the uh, photo heritage of that car alive and continuing to do large format road trips with Lincoln.
2: That is so neat.
0: Yeah, it's, it's neat. That's amazing. Oh, sorry, you were breaking up a little bit there.
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say, that's such a good project. Like, that's just, I don't know. It's, it's holding on to history, which is, I don't know. I guess maybe that's when you know that you're getting old is, like, understanding now what it's like of the people who paved the way and, and the elders, that it's just that they've experienced those things too. And, yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, he was just saying that he just got back from Kentucky in the Lincoln.
1: Oh, I bet that was quite sweaty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the East Coast is, is quite a sweaty, sweaty place. Um, like, I grew up most of my life in, in the <laughs> Canada, and when I went out East and, like, experienced mm-hmm. – Toronto and like down to Nashville and then Florida. It was so sweaty in Florida. Like that was it's like, why do people live there? It's terrible.
1: Where was it? Someone said this before. Where you wear humidity? Like,
2: that's, that's
1: exactly what it is.
2: Yeah,
0: it's like ends like up sticking
1: like, to you so much.
0: Exactly, it's like you know when I guess. Yeah. sweating. <laughs> So what's been your yes. your favorite? <laughs> okay. um, what's been your favorite photography adventure so far that that you've been on?
1: Oh man, um, like all together, that's so hard.
2: Um,
0: um, not all together, but like when you think about one of your experiences that was maybe like most meaningful or like um, maybe like most humbling or like something that like when you think about it, you're still mind blown about it today? Uh,
1: I mean, I, um, just with life or with a career or, um, or anything you look at, um, or even just visiting a place for the first time, you look at just, kind of looking back on that in remembrance and having that first feeling and just how I don't know nervous it and just not fully knowing and being naive about it, but like blissfully so um, but I I would say for me it was um, having my first proper tour with the Civil wars and um, I mean experience royal Albert Hall. For the first time and like seeing, I don't know, just I i traveled a little bit before we had gone on tour together, but not to the extent of the touring that we did in the places that we were able to see and, um, and just, yeah, within that the experiences of just meeting people of all walks of life and um, yeah, and just meeting fans of theirs and just how their lives were changed. It was just, it was all, it all kind of stuck with me, all of it. Um, That kind of, that became the ripple effect more than anything of just, um, yeah, having just the first. So I would say probably that first tour was really special. um, If that answers it.
0: (laughs) How how did you end up landing on, on that tour?
1: Um, it was such a random story because I had met them. I had photographed them. Um, it was such a special time. I, I still love those images looking back on that, of just that capsule, but, um, they, uh, I want to say they were like, and this was when I was living in Nashville and, um, they were kind of gaining a name out here and, um, I just kind of knew that there were other photographers around that were photographing them and, um, and we gelled well, but it's like, it's kind of one of those things as a photographer that it's like, when you do a job, you just, you're just excited that you had that moment and then it just kind of moves on and, um, and maybe one day it'll, that moment will create itself again. But, um, but yeah, so I, uh, shot them. And then I want to say it was probably like four, six months later, um, I got an email from the tour manager's wife, who was a really good friend of mine. Um, I had just moved into this new space. And uh, yeah, she said, did you check your email? And I was like, "I, I have no internet here. I have no idea what to do. She's like, you need to do it right now. And so it was a coffee shop that was still open. It wasn't open, but their internet was open down the street. And so I just like parked in the parking lot and checked my email and it was to, um, basically do this tour and it was, uh, them opening up with Adele and, uh, it was just kind of give us a call if you're interested. And yeah, immediately I called and I want to say it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I mean, it was just like ridiculous, but, um but I was just in panic mode thinking that that job was already like came and went. And, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really, it was, it felt just unreal the whole thing, but, but yeah, it was awesome.
0: So you did the whole tour with them or was it just a couple of stops?
1: So it ended up being, cause it was Adele's, I don't want to say it was her first U.S. tour, but it was like, Uh, it was right before she exploded and it was kind of like her first go around of the U S on that record. And so I want to say it was probably like three weeks long. Um, And it was everything. I was just so nervous. I, and I I think it's my personality that I I just like always want to be alert and make sure that everything's going smoothly and that I'm in the right place and I'm not in anyone's way. And, um, And I remember it was after the New York show. And we were, after that, we were driving back to Nashville. And I want to say it was the band who said, you know, hey, can we talk to you in the back with, you know, our manager, we just kind of like, want to assess a few things out. Like, fuck, like, I don't even know if I can get fired at this point, because it's kind of like, it's over, but, or uh, are they unhappy with what I photographed and, and then uh, they asked if I had wanted to go with them to Europe and that was like, I wanna say the following month, um, I think. But um, but yeah, it just kind of, it kept going and the entire time I'm just thinking they're, they're gonna like get sick of these photos. Oh my God, I'm totally gonna fuck it up. And And it just, it all kind of worked out and it was just kind of this small, group that we wore all the hats to make it work and doing the show. And um, it, it was just really, it's so awesome. It was just kind of like a family road trip that, or a circus in that way, that we were all just kind of enjoying it. And yeah, it was, I think it was a lot of people's first in that way. And at least for them as a band too, uh, cause they were both doing their own musical endeavors before. They had done it together, so it was just yeah, it was so cool.
0: That's awesome. So that kind of lead, led into another question. I was like, how did you end up taking photos of Adele? But you know, there it is. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> which well, she was so awesome, and I have like so many photos of her photo bombing because I would I would try to angle it, and I would I would like put them in seats or something, and. She just, she thought it was the best joke to try to photobomb everything, so. see,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, this is great, but also you're making my job so much harder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I try
1: to, like, frame her out, but <laughs> no, it was a blast.
0: So, like, for your photography practice, like, you know, what, what is your kind of go-to? Like, do you prefer shooting with digital, or do you enjoy having, like, film in the mix there, or, like, you know? What are the things you're drawn to creatively?
2: Um,
1: yeah, I mean film for me it, it's just this man i it's funny because I try to put it into words and then I read or listen to um, like Diane Arbus and how she talks about film and and its magic and how it holds something that still control, even though. Even though you're, you feel as though you are controlling it. It's, there's something still that you don't get. Um, but no, I I think that's what, for me, doing film was just, it was a challenge as well. Um, so I shot a lot on tour, um, and I, for me, naive me, I guess, but um, I would take it to Walgreens to get developed, and then I would have my. Scanning bed in the back, and so I would just scan them in and so it's like to get just the day of of that show or have the next day post but um but yeah, it was just having the flatbed and seeing you know a week later or something it was just it was it was always fun but um but no for me, shooting now I mean I don't know how it is for you, but uh just the clients, they, they want to have it right then and there and know the full control over it. And, and I understand that. I understand that technology allows that. So of course, but, um, but yeah, it's, I still lean to film and I think I'm so thankful too because, uh, I think because the clients who hire me also kind of want to have film done and, um, so yeah, so it, it's kind of, it's been up until when I met Negative Supply and they've been working on this meter that I adore. But, um, but I was using more so my digital camera is a light meter and then just to like lock it in and, and then shoot the film. But, but yeah, it's, it's digital and film now, but is it for you at all? Are you shooting digital too to like feel good about it or?
0: So I shoot digital sometimes um, I don't hate on it. Like, I know yeah. that there's a, a lot of, like, analog people there that are, like, upgrade to film, or, like, they cut, like, like, they poo-poo on digital all the time, and
2: yeah um,
0: they're all tools, and I think, that, like, as long as you find a tool that, like, works well for your creative process, and you enjoy creating, and, you know, you're sharing something positive with people who cares if it's on film or digital, um, for me personally, right. though, I like, um, the film process a little bit more because even though there's like the step of processing and doing all that, I find my film output ends up being faster than digital because I really hate editing. Mm. And so it's like, if I shoot digital, yeah. I end up shooting like 500 photos and then I have to fucking sit there in Lightroom and go through and be like, like, hey, maybe yeah. it. And then with film, it's just like, hello, 36 shots in there and, you know, maybe I'll shoot three or four rolls and I'm just looking at those ones. And um, Mm -hmm. always ends up being a bit faster, Um, but it's also just the gear too. And not from like, a I need to have these like different pieces, but um, when I first got into photography, when I was younger, there's all this gear that I wanted that I couldn't afford. now i'm old and i have some money and all that shit that was like super expensive when i was like you know in my 20s is now super expensive again because of hipsters but like five years ago it was like super cheap Mm -hmm. Uh, i just i bought all of this stuff more from like an aesthetic perspective um and so I, i like shooting film from that perspective too where it's just like it's a different feel because, um, you know, with the digital and stuff like that, like, it's it's neat to have all those gimmick things and, and whatnot. But I also just like the tactile feel of, like, using the older cameras. And um, which is probably why I like shooting Nikon, because, like, even my Nikon digital still feels a lot like my Nikon film cameras. So it doesn't feel like as big a shift. Um, but I kind of, like... I do throw a little bit of shade at my digital when I do fire it because um so this is my D seven the D six ten and when I fire it I put poser on the bottom because I feel like it's <laughs> <laughs> I back I was trying I
2: was
1: trying to piece it
0: <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. So it's like and it's a little bit of like um a tiny bit of a music theme because um my film camera, which is this guy here. Uh, shit. My life is in low pro bags right now, so this is my main film camera. It's a Nikon F5, and his name is Woodrow, uh. in honor of Woody Guthrie. And I wrote on there, "This machine stops time," kind of like you know, "This machine kills fascists," but. Um, uh. And so keeping with the music theme with the cameras, um, because I feel like a poser when I shoot with the digital because everyone's used to seeing me with a film camera, I wrote Poser on yeah. it. I wrote it in the way that um, Tom Morello had it written on his hat when he would play live with Rage Against the Machine.
2: No
1: way, oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so a little bit of like a musical connection with the cameras.
1: Yeah, now you kind of make me want to go and try to name my cameras. Because, I mean, at least, like, you know, it's, like, your go-tos of just, like, what it represents. Or even, like, your. do you have, like, the retired cameras, too?
0: The, I don't really have any retired cameras yet, but I do have, like, the forever cameras. So there's, like, a small handful of cameras that I will never sell, ever. Yeah. Um, Woodrow's one of them. And then my four by five, its name is Rufus and I will never get rid of Rufus. He's a great camera. Um, The digital, I won't sell it because there's a story behind that one. That one's called Polson. Um,
2: Amazing.
0: I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head right now, but yeah, there's like a bunch that I'll never probably end up selling. This one's like, I'm not sure. But like, this is also why I like shooting film cameras is like this thing, the Texas Leica. Like it's a six by nine Fuji. And it's just so big. Like, it's like the size of my head almost. And, you know, it just, it has like such an interesting feel when when you fire it. And like, when you're walking around with it, it just looks hilarious. And that's one of the things (laughs) I like shooting film cameras over digital is like, you know, you get a different look with it, and it's just kind of fun. So I I definitely enjoy, like, film from that perspective because it's a little bit more interesting. And then it also kind of, like, it strikes up interesting conversations with people when you pull out these cameras or, like, when you're walking around, like, still one of my favorites. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, have you come across that when when you're out shooting with people? How many? I, i
1: One of my favorites, though, was recently I was in Chicago and um, I, for me, I love to just always have my Roloflex. I, I know it's just a pain in the ass to walk around with, but then when I get something, I'm just so glad I brought it. Because <laughs> um, usually I have like my contacts T2 and I can put it in my purse and know if, if there's anything around. But um, I know I was walking around in Chicago and just the light was so beautiful on the river, and um, there's an art installation, or maybe it's permanent, I don't know, but um, but there's these mirrors up top, and then it reflects the water, and it just, it glistens. And then the people that walk through, it's just absolutely beautiful. What, what are you doing over there?
0: Taking a photo.
1: <laughs> we lost. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I wish it was one of the attendees right now. Hi, Bri. <laughs> um, I,
0: um, I always like to take a couple of photos of, uh, of the chats when I'm on them.
1: That's awesome. I wanna see those photos. Um, but, uh, but no, I was walking down this river and saw it and I was just kind of like getting a few images from it and just kind of the people walking through with just the lighting, and um, I want to say he was probably in his late seventies, and he had his grandson with him, and he just said, "Is that is that old camera? It's. It does it still work?" And um, and so I I bent over to show the grandson of what the viewfinder looked like, and he was just in awe of it, and he said, "This is the first time that he's seen downtown Chicago, and this really this was so lovely to like." To meet you and see this camera and know that people are still shooting film. And it was just, it's those simple interactions that, um, I don't know, that just, that felt really special. of just, I don't know, seeing someone that young that was just so enamored with it and just this machine.
0: It's, it's really cool when you get to share those moments with, with uh, the younger generation, for sure. Um, like one of, do you do, you do much Polaroid shooting? Hey, do you play with Polaroid a lot?
1: Funny that you say that. Yeah, I used to, and I, I legitimately have no idea if I left it on site at a shoot or what, but um, I used to have my Polaroid 250, and I loved it, and the RZ67 with the Polaroid back. And I just, I would always shoot on that. And then the second that uh, they said that they were discontinuing it, I, I mean, I tried to buy as much as I could with what I had at that point that I could afford. But um, but no, I wish I was still shooting with it. It's just, it's so magical.
0: It is a very magical. You have
1: to at least tell me what, wait. You...
0: Tell me which story?
1: Which one is that one?
0: Uh, This is a... What what
1: camera is that?
0: This is a Bronica SQAI.
1: And I've got... So does
0: that also
1: have... Have what, sorry? Does that also have a Polaroid back option, or...
0: You can do a Polaroid back with it. Why aren't you working now? Um, (laughs) This is the one frustrating thing with the Bronica, is... um, It has an electric shutter on it. And they they came up with this stupid idea to put the batteries inside of like a little plastic thingy that everyone loses. So um, I had to like make something like tinfoil and pizza boxes to try and get the batteries to work. But it doesn't always fire. (laughs) It's kind of annoying from from that perspective, but you can't, there is a Polaroid back for um, this camera, but um, it doesn't, it doesn't always work right. Um, But for Polaroids, what I do like shooting with a lot, um, and it's it's really fun to give people Polaroids a lot too. Like that's probably one of my favorite things uh, is to give uh, people Polaroids um, is the SX-7. Mm-hmm. Like these are such a cool, cool one to give uh, people. Yeah.
1: Um, my pal in LA, you may know, I, I, I know that all of his last, but um, Lou? I'm
0: not sure who that is. you know is.
1: Lou? Okay, I'll have to send you a link to his work, but specifically does <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> Rob, you're
1: taking a picture. <laughs> but he specifically does Polaroids and um, he shoots with that camera as well and it's absolutely phenomenal how he's able to just work with natural light with it. But but now I I remember probably getting it ten years ago and thinking that I could try it and for some reason it, it just does not well with me I don't I I need someone to, to show me how to properly use it because I don't know why I just get it all wrong
0: like with Polaroid
1: yeah with with that camera specifically it's like there's a way uh, it's like the lighting and how he would do kind of I guess maybe light leaks with it but um Laura Taylor who is one of my oldest friends who I met from a lot on Polaroid and it was just absolutely beautiful what she would get with it. But, but yeah, it's, it's a fun one. That's awesome that you would give it.
0: Okay. Let's see. Maybe it'll work this time. Nope. What the heck? (laughs) Oh no. I think I've like, I'm cursed with cameras now, I think. At least this one. I bought new batteries for it right before I left. Fuck.
2: I heard (laughs) it. I I
0: bought batteries for it right before I left Vancouver. This thing has just been like, I don't know. I love this camera, but I also kind of hate it because um, it just, Hasn't been super reliable for me, but when it does work, mm-hmm. I love it. Like it's um, it's such a cool camera. It's just that uh, this is why you don't buy things that have electronics in it, kids. <laughs> the Playflex, though, like that's such a cool one. Like the TLRs, um, that's something else. Like when you walk around with the TLR, um. You, you get a lot of attention with them. But the other thing, I don't know if you've ever really played around with this with your TLR, but they're great for street photography too because you can kind of like casually just have it there and you can frame up a shot and then just like wait for a moment to happen and not look like yep. you're taking a photo because you're just yep. like sitting there and you're just like looking around. And then like when you see it happen, you could just be like click and no one knows that you, you took a photo
1: so I, I did this, just that, um, that was in Chicago too. I'm waiting to get the film back on that, but, um, it was in, I want to say it was like Neiman Marcus and it was just taking a stroll and, uh, I didn't see where the mom was, but she had given them her phone or maybe they have their own, but, um, but they were both watching on their iPhone, masked up and, uh, but just identical. Just, I, they weren't identical twins, but they dressed perfect. They just, everything about it was so perfect and very Kubrick or Kubricky. y um, But yeah, and they had these um, really the, thick
0: the and glasses. Yeah, like- yeah,
1: it was very much so like that. Um, but they were wearing their masks and I just, I I, <laughs> I looked at my boyfriend because he, I feel as though he kind of knows when I get in my mode and he just kind of backs off. But, um, but I, you know, had done that and I like circled back around as I was metering. And then I just kind of glided by and, and got them just both of them just looking at their phones uh, or the phone. And I mean, I hope It's like one of those things where you just you're like I hope I got it. I hope I got that right second. But
0: yeah, play with us, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope that turns out too. I'm curious. So that's on a roll of film that you haven't developed yet.
1: No, it's not. But I'll I'll send it to you when I get it back. Maybe it's just totally me. Have no idea.
0: I mean, that's kind of the fun with film sometimes too, is like the accidents with it. Um, you know, you never know what you're gonna get until you, you get around to you know, processing the roles. And um, like I, I made friends with this um, very old school photographer who's been shooting since like the late 60s. And um, he was telling me this story of uh, when he was in Vancouver in the 70s. He had shot months worth of film in this old Leica camera that he had and uh, had just kept shooting and uh, didn't get around to developing it. And when he finally did develop it, he found out that there was something wrong with the shutter in the Leica and all of the rolls of film were a total waste. Like not a single worthwhile shot came out of anything.
1: Oh, has that ever happened to you?
0: Um, I haven't like destroyed complete roles, but um, more often than I'd like to admit, I've popped open the camera after forgetting to <laughs> rewind. And then you're just like, oh, shit, and you quickly close it. And you're just like, I hope I didn't fuck up too many. <laughs> and you always fuck up more than you want to have fucked up. Um, yeah. There's been that, or a couple of times when I've been loading medium format, the um, I'll fuck up and drop the roll, and it'll like just unspool out, and I'm just like, oh, all gone.
1: (laughs) I mean, that alone, I feel like, as we're sharing with everyone, of just wanting to know everyone's stories of that moment where it is like opening up the back where. It's like opening up your dishwasher when it's like midway or something. It's like, or opening, I, I don't know. I guess because I just recently, it's just like, that. Oh, fuck. But like, Ugh. I hope Sorry. something you, came of it.
0: You just recently did which?
1: Of opening up a back where I, oh, okay. I thought the role was done. Yeah, so, that, uh,
0: happens. So. that happens with um, my F5 all the time because like, if I don't immediately do the film rewind after I finish a roll, I'll look and, because it says empty when it reaches the end, even if you haven't rewound it. So I'll be like, oh yeah, it's empty. And I'll just go to like open the the thing up and then be like, fuck, I didn't rewind it. So I almost need to print on the back of it a thing where it's just like, rewind exclamation, like. Because that's been a little bit shameful doing that. And
1: then every time you do it, it's like, this is the last time. I'm not going to do this again.
0: You turned out good in this one, but I'm a little overexposed.
1: Oh, that's red. Oh, that's cool. The colors are so pretty.
0: So I've been experimenting with this one. So this guy. Is actually kind of a very special Polaroid. Um, it's an Open SX70 Polaroid. So um, there's a project that uh, this guy in Barcelona started, where he's been like putting Arduino boards into Polaroid cameras, and uh, making it so that you could do more with them. And um, this is like one of wow. the. It's got one of the prototype boards in it for the sonar and. Uh, way it meters and exposes is really cool. Like it's been a lot of fun to play with this camera.
1: That's so cool. There was, um, it was from a conversation not too long ago, but that uh, there's a, I'm just so bad at remembering names, but um, it's from the UK and it's the Peel Away that they um, kind of brought back.
0: Oh, the one inch. Do you know what I'm talking
1: Yes. And I have some and I'm just, I, I need to find another Polaroid land camera because I, I, I just don't know where it went, but, um, but yeah, I'm so curious, even with the blue tones, it's, it's stunning.
0: You, well, you could do a land camera or do you have a four by five?
1: I did. So, well, I do, I don't know what went wrong and I, maybe it's from travel, but for some reason, it's not shooting off right. Um, and I've already ruined one box of the Fuji 3000 black and white and I'm just, I'm, so, I'm like so bummed about it.
2: <laughs> but
1: um, now it's like, I've been trying to figure out if, like the land cameras, for some reason, they're still really expensive for film kind of having been discontinued. But, um, but yeah, I've been thinking about getting the Polaroid back again. Just because I love the framing of it, but but um, I don't know. Do you, I mean? Do you like the LAN camera? Have you messed with it a lot?
0: So I do. I love the land camera. I I have a one ninety five though, yeah. which is like the um, the kind of crazy high end one. Um, so it's all like manual. Um, so this is. the the 195 here and um it has no batteries oh geez um it doesn't have batteries or anything on it so it's just all like um you set the aperture you set the shutter on it and then you cock it um so there's nothing you really have to worry about from like an auto exposure thing where it's gonna like ruin uh film at all um I splurged on this one because I have a bunch of pack film left that I want to shoot. Um, uh. So I picked this one up just so that I could um, take advantage of that. But if I'm not using pack film in this guy, um, I'll usually shoot it in the 4x5 um, so that I'm getting the most out of the, the pack film because mm-hmm. um, if you're gonna go with like the regular land cameras, and uh, you're not going to buy like a 180 or 195. Um, what I'd really recommend is picking up like a 250 um, and then doing the battery conversion to make the 250 work. Mm-hmm. Um, 50 has like a, a really decent lens on it, but it also has um, the nice single window viewfinder on it so that you don't have to do like the look in one viewfinder and then do your focusing in the other.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and then the, having a 250 is kind of nice, because if you have a 250 and then you find yourself a nice 195, you can steal the viewfinder off of the 250 and put it <laughs> on your 195.
1: That's a good trick. Someone said the NPC is the holy grail of LAN cameras. Do you know what
0: Some, the NPC And NPC um, is um, a company that was in, uh, I think they were in Massachusetts as well, that was making uh, custom Polaroid cameras. And um, they made a full manual Polaroid that was very similar to like the 180 and the 195, but it looks oh. a lot more industrial and funky. Um, that was what was kind of special about those ones. They were they were pretty cool.
1: That's awesome. Oh, land cameras! I hope that peel away comes back full force eventually.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. But like, even for where it's at right now. Um, <laughs> it's like, I don't mind what they're charging for the one instant to still be able to use the cameras and stuff because, you know, if you're planning like a certain creative um, thing, like you can bake in the costs of that extra film into that project. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also has like such a cool look to it. Um, I'll send you uh, one of the the photos I did with it because The thing that's interesting with the one is, um, it's it's a new negative and it's a new reagent, but it's an expired positive. So they're using old Polaroid twenty by twenty color positive. So you get this really interesting looking um, expired look from it. Um, I don't know if you can bleach the negatives though, Aaron. Um, I haven't tried that yet
1: a lot. Uh, my pal Joshua Black-Wilkins, who's Nashville-based, he he showed me that process. And it, it was like mind-boggling that it was just like, wow, these are the negative sizes. So rad. Yeah.
0: And the, the negatives are so cool. Like, I've got so many that I need to bleach. Like, um, my my partner and I, we just had our aura photos taken the other weekend uh, by this lady in Vancouver, and she <laughs> pack film to do them. And the aura photos are like such a cool, cool thing. Like um, it, it, that was like a neat process. If you ever get a chance to come across that, um, you should definitely um, try that out.
1: Oh, I will. This is so random, but I was just in awe of it was, uh, this was years ago, but um, my my eyesight is really bad. And so uh it's it's just like the normal checkups that you need to do but um but yeah, they said optionally you can have your um your eye photographed if you want to see that and basically of just catching if there is anything that could be growing or you know just stigmatisms as well of just kind of understanding your eye a little bit better, so they said you have this option and and I was like I'm kind of curious and I mean two seconds in and they have this photo just kind of coming up in the screen and it just it looks like a universe i mean it's just it's so beautiful the colors and i mean i I asked them to print it out for me and and send me the file because i was just amazed with it but it's just for you to see your own eyeball and and have that be a camera right now that exists it just Yeah, it's really cool. Something else to try. So,
0: So did did you like get the copy of it and make a print or?
1: I didn't, but I. It was just it was a small print that they did, and then the file itself. I mean, it's it's a massive file, but um, but yeah. I mean, they were just kind of like this is kind of newer technology, Um, but I mean, it, it was just kind of like do you know when you sit and get the the Kind of like air pushed into your eye or pumped into your yeah. eye. Um, it's kind of a machine that is. And yeah, and it's just like this light that flickers um, into your cornea, I think. Um, yeah. And then it just, that's it. And I, I'm just like, wow, that's, I mean, that's science, that's technology, that's everything going in just a beautiful direction. And And that's a that's a camera. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's cool. So I'm I'm just going to say so, I recommend your next eye exam to get that option done because it's truly mind-boggling to see. Eye-boggling.
0: <laughs> Eye-boggling. <laughs> it will it'll be a while to <laughs> say I got new glasses before I left Toronto, and it was a pretty intense process. So um, in a couple of years when I go to get new glasses, I'll definitely check that out. It would be kind of neat, though, to, like, have like a big blown up print of your like eyeball to like have somewhere in your place. That would be dope.
1: I mean, and also just, I, it, this is so silly, but where my mind goes of just respecting so much of, you know, what what gift you have from your eyes and um, and taking care of them and just, yeah, I don't know. just Yeah, it would be really cool though.
0: So of your senses, if you had to lose one, which one would you be okay with never being able to have again?
1: We're talking about sight.
0: Sight, no. smell, touch.
1: I would say smell. The idea of not being able to listen to music sounds devastating. Or, and. Or or what?
0: Or taste. Or taste.
1: What would yours be?
0: See, that's a tough one, because I like all of the senses. Yeah. Um, maybe, oh man, probably smell.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I'd, I'd be okay with that, because like, I like being able to touch things and if I couldn't hear music, I would be like devastated and if I couldn't see things, um, equally devastated. So um yeah, yeah, smell. Yeah. And then it would make it a lot easier when I'm like walking around in big cities and like you pass like, you know, the, the sewer vents or like, you know, stinky garbage Earth. and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about that ever again.
1: Yeah, that would, that's, yeah, it's scary. Um, But even, um, again, I I always dive into YouTube holes far too often, but um, uh, the YouTube videos of uh, people who are colorblind, I don't know if you've seen this, but where they put on those glasses for the first time and they're able to see just everything of the world in color, just that kind of... Um, and I guess the way that they describe it of what they do see is more like sepia tone, so more browns than black and whites and grays. But um, but yeah, I, that ugh. again, technology, it's fascinating. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it is. So we, um, Sparks and Bark says, you can still taste if you can't smell. Um, and Crumb says that uh, He'd be okay losing his sense of irony. Uh, (laughs) And uh, Aaron says, I think from a scientific perspective, smell would be the easiest to mimic chemically or through some other crazy electrostimuli. So, yeah, if you lost smell, they could probably bring it back with technology, but like robotic eyes would be weird. And I hear, like, they can do, like, cornea transplants, but, like, that would be so weird to, like, literally be looking through someone else's eyeballs.
1: Yeah. Uh, there is a horror movie about that. And I did watch it. Not good. And it do- it, it didn't end well for her either. So I don't mm. know about seeing through someone else's eye, But.
0: <laughs> yeah, no thanks. That would be... That'd be too weird <laughs> yeah so when when all this covid stuff finally starts to cool its jets and uh, it's safer to go adventure is there a place or a project that you've been wanting to do that you've been having to put on hold because of um the pandemic that you know you just as soon as it's safe you just jump right into that
1: uh paris that's I what would, I would say specifically France, but being able to go back to paris that's um i'm I'm still dreaming about it often um and I'm sure so many people are where they want to go to but um but no, just to be able to go to france of of just you know people outside in cafes and um Again, it's like that communal feeling of just a city. Um, but yeah, I would, say, I would say France for me. What about
2: you?
0: Oh, man. Um, well, I've always really wanted to check out Japan. I've never had a chance to do that. Um, but I miss the U.S. a lot. There's, there's a bunch of trips that I had planned in the U.S. that I had to put on hold um, because of COVID. So as soon as things are, are safe, I'd like to get those back on. Like, I had trips to like Chicago and Boston and San Francisco all planned out. And, uh, of course, Texas. Um, I really enjoy Texas a lot. Um, And a bunch of people have been wanting me to come to Nashville again. So, you know, that's definitely on the radar. Yeah. Exploring the U.S. And, like, one thing that I'd really like to do again is um, do another trip. This time more with, like, a project focus in mind of just, like, interviewing and photog- like photographing people along the way on the Route 66. Because a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I, I did like a road trip down Route 66 and just found like so many friendly people that were so open and willing to share stories from their lives with a complete stranger, just like completely unprovoked, like, you know, just pop in at a thing and they just all of a sudden start spilling their... Their guts out. And I just thought it'd be like kind of a cool project to get these like portraits of people with like these little stories that they shared um, along the Route 66.
1: Wow, that sounds magical. I mean, and that, that's just it. There's so many pit stops along the way. I, and again, it's like going on history of it too, of of, um, I don't know, I, I want to say it was probably a few years ago. but But when I did it, Um, it was for this this book and and, um, just the history that's still there in some you know I would say I don't want to say it's like actual stops but they're more artistic stops Um, whether it's like shoes being hung together and just kind of I don't know maybe it's just like having the locks on This fence that's abandoned in the middle of nowhere. It's just like these really special things that um, after accumulating over so long, there's just like so many stories of people from doing that road trip. But yeah,
0: yeah, that'll be so much fun. That's a cool, very Kind of like thought-provoking talking to these people and they were sharing all of these really like fascinating stories about their lives and it kind of just struck me that like you know a lot of these people are getting up to an age where they're probably going to pass soon and they're definitely not
2: like, mm-hmm. you
0: know savvy and sharing all this stuff on social media and I was like these are some fantastical stories that will die when these people do and um yeah you know, like it would be neat to capture more of that sort of like um, oral heritage of like, you know, these little um, towns and rest stops and the things that happened in them that um, just kind of disappear as, as the residents do.
1: Yeah. And what really made kind of America what it, what it is.
0: Absolutely. Like there's, like, even, even in Nashville, one of my Uber drivers, she was, like, super cool and, like, gave me this, like, history lesson on, like, the, the Grand Ole Opry and, like, a bunch of stuff around Nashville and stuff. And she was recommending all these places. To, she's like, oh, you should do a road trip in Nashville and, like, a, you know, go go around all these places and talk to these folks. And um, it was just really neat. Like, um, the, the U.S. in some of the smaller regions has some very interesting people that are a lot friendlier than you'd think they would be.
1: Yeah. Never underestimate or doubt that everyone is, I don't know, but maybe it's just, and I think that's what I learned so much from, from travel is that if you have that open-minded willingness and as a photographer, I think it's such a good tool to, um, to practice is actually approaching and learning people's stories. Um, because it's one thing to to capture someone without them actually knowing it, but um, to really learn someone and how much more different the image would come out because of that, you know?
0: Absolutely. And it's also just neat too, like to, make those connections, because we have become, like, as much as we've become more connected through all this technology, we've also kind of become a bit more disconnected from each other, Um, Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I like about giving away instant photos um, is, like, if there's someone that looks interesting, I'll, like, approach them and just be like, hey, like, would you like an instant portrait, and they're like, what, and I'm like, I'll give you a picture right now, of, like how you are. Cause like, you know, your outfit looks really cool. Or like, you have this like interesting look about you and it's not something yeah. I'm going to keep. Like you, it's, I'm going to give it straight to you. And that's the only copy of it that'll ever exist. And, um, being able to like hand someone like a physical thing that's like, here you go. This is for you. Um, it kind of blows a lot of people away. Cause that's something that we don't have as much of now. Like there's less tangibility in our world. Um, but it it also kind of disarms people a little bit more too because um, I think it just reminds us to connect a bit more.
1: Oh, exactly. That's really special that you do that. That's I'm sure that makes so many people's days.
0: It's been a lot of fun to do it. Like it and it makes my day too because I like seeing people get all excited about it. And yeah. You know, especially Vancouver because it, like it is a bit touristy. So like I'll see like, families and stuff together, and, um, you know, I'll just be like, hey, you guys want, like, because they'll be trying to take a photo with their cell phone, and I'm like, well, you could do that, or I could take a picture of you guys, and I can give <laughs> each of you your own instant photo of this moment. They're like, what? And I was just like, yeah, everyone gets a photo. Don't worry. We'll just take one. Of- <laughs> you guys can fight and pick which ones you keep, but, you know, now you can have, like, a real um, photo from this moment, not just something that languishes on your iphone
1: right Well wow, that's amazing
0: yeah it's definitely been a lot of fun so do you have any um projects that you have on the go or that you're planning right now coming up or
1: um i have a few photo shoots coming up here in nashville and then uh one in key west coming up which i'm very curious about uh but um no i I've actually been working on um my personal project i I always have personal projects just uh, really just for myself but um but this one i I've been really um i don't know this is the one that I've spent the most time on um so it's been yeah a little over a year it was right when the lockdown kind of began, but um, when I try to say it out loud, it just sounds absolutely ridiculous. Maybe to some, but um, but no, it's a it's so it's a mannequin um, that I got, and um, for me, I, I I guess self-portraiture is a form of a journal entry. Um, at least knowing where I, I was at that time and for me, looking back on, on them, I remember exactly uh, kind of how I felt or or what was going on in my life at that time. But, um, but for some reason, I just kind of had this idea and it came from also this series that I saw. I think it was on Wall Street that was, I mean, it came out probably 10 years ago, but it was done in the 40s of this mannequin and creating a life that she was of high society and putting her into these situations um whether it was parties and it's just there's all these people around and then she's kind of one of the uh like deviant women um you know and her get up and smoking and getting her nails done and all these things and i was just so like in awe of that um and then I thought if I used a mannequin as a form of self-portraiture and expressing kind of, I guess, the feeling of loneliness and distance and um, maybe it was my obsession of the 50s, but I ended up getting a red wig for her. Um, That's a, a 1950s style wig and just kind of found Outfits on eBay and and collected things over time, and uh, so I would just travel with her, and, and we would do road trips and some specific for Norma is what I call her. Um, but yeah, it, it, I've cool. she's kind of just been this this kind of, this person that um, yeah I I've taken her to LA from a road trip and um, and up to Maine and uh, just kind of putting her in scenes that maybe are parallel to what's going on, but also um, even when the marches were happening and how kind of parallel that was of, you know, the fifties and these conversations that are, um, thankfully kicking up dust again that it's becoming you know it's things have changed but they still haven't and um kind of I don't know maybe I I don't want to say a political piece by any means but something of just being able to express yourself of um going through these motions and having that conversation and um so, yeah, so, so that's been kind of something I've been working on. Um, and I, I don't know what will come of it, but, uh, but yeah. What about you?
0: Um, well, I've, I've got a book that is done. I just have I'm... to get my shit together to put the pre-order together. Um, it, it's going to be called Quarantinoids, and um, it's the first – Oh, cool. 50- yeah it it was the first 53 days of uh lockdown on polaroid um it was only supposed to be two weeks and i was like i could take a polaroid a day for two weeks and then it wasn't two weeks and uh then i was like this project's gonna bankrupt me if i keep taking a photo every day of a lockdown because (laughs) like our first lockdown was like four or five months like it was insane um so wow. I, I got to 53 days, and I was just like, I'm bored of this project. I'm bored of being in my house. But the book is done, and that'll be coming up for pre-order here probably in the next um, month or so. And I've got... Um, thank you. And, um, I did a book in 2018 on convenience stores in Toronto um, that I'm doing a follow-up book to right now. I'm just shooting that. But leading up to the follow up, I'm going to do a second, um, like a reissue, a second edition of the first book. But I took a couple photos, um, new photos that will be added into the second edition where um, I went back and reviewed all of the like bodegas that I'd shot for the first book. And there was like four or five of them that don't exist anymore photos of what they look like today wow so that'll be in second edition where it'll be the photos that I originally took in 2018 with the four or five new photos um and then probably later next year I'll put that second book out and then just for shits and giggles a friend of mine gave me this really like kind of like your um your mannequin that you're talking about there, a friend Anna. of mine, this weird dental thing.
1: Whoa. <laughs>
0: he that was like, <laughs> he was like, take this with you and just like photograph it in different places, like doing different things. So it was just like,
2: ah! that's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. It even has like gums and everything. Like it's so, oh
2: my so God.
0: weird. Um, so there's some sort of project pending for this guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, it's just so nice to hear that because I mean, I know that as an artist, you (laughs) feeling stuck and not wanting to create and then feeling just confined on top of that, um, like physically, uh, but still, I'm, I'm just so excited to see all of the art, and I know that that's what everyone's been saying along, um, and it's also been okay for you not to create during this time, too. Um, yeah. But to see that it kind of propels um, new sparks of wanting to create in a different way, I'm just so excited to see how it all kind of trickles out uh, for so many people and how they express themselves during this time. Um, I, I just it, it makes me so happy to see that.
0: Absolutely. I'm very curious to see what you've got to do with, um, with... interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I really haven't showed anyone <laughs> except for a few friends, but, um, and my mom, <laughs> but no, I've, I've only shot it on film and I limit myself to tops three roles. Um, and it's only medium format, and so thankfully every every like scene has come out okay. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to show you a few. I I'm not in my office right now, but um, but I have them all printed out, and I'm kind of trying how to tell the story with narrowing down the images too. But but yeah,
2: I'll
1: have to show That's you. That's very cool.
0: Yeah, that'd be, well, it sounds like we have a lot of show and tell that we'll have to catch up with on later. Yeah,
2: very, <laughs> so. <laughs> very so much you, so. Are
0: you, are you planning on um, going back to California at some point, or are you just in Nashville for the time being?
1: Yeah, I, I, this is going to be my first trip since last summer of going back out to L.A. for, like a week and a half now. Um yeah. To do some work and, um, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm um, excited to see friends and catch up. But uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see that um, because the last time I was there was uh, it was actually right uh, after the marches were happening and um, and it was just you could feel emotions, you could feel everything. Um, And I mean, just everyone. I mean, it's, it was just a very strong time.
0: That would have been a very intense time to be there.
1: Yeah. Again, I'm just, I'm so glad these conversations are happening. Um, But yeah, it was, that was wild. It was wild to see just, Kind of my neighborhood with um it had you know just the van i mean vandalizing a lot of um boards that were put up over you know over shops that were broken into and um yeah it was that was just yeah it was just bizarre everything was just bizarre
0: yeah what a year well like the last couple of years it, it's weird because like it feels like 2020 didn't really happen <laughs> it's just time-wise I can't believe like you know it's almost 2022 already
1: yeah yeah it's I guess it and I, this is just anytime I kind of get down about you know in your own inner world of thoughts of um again like not feeling that things are normal or uh, inspired, or you know, your own kind of things, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's like she just good encourager of words of just knowing that it's okay to feel these things, and you know, and and not feel guilty for not feeling as motivated as you are, and and you know, creating workflow in a different form now, and um, yeah, it's different, but. I guess Absolutely. we all managed a way to figure it out.
0: Well, and it's also been good that like there's been space for us to start having a lot of these tougher conversations, and mm-hmm. um, for for people to actually listen this time around. Like I I've talked about it before on different chats, but you know I, I kind of feel that had we not been in a pandemic. Um, I don't know if like BLM and and everything would have gotten as much traction as they had (laughs) if we were in the regular world where everyone was like distracted with all the things, but we were all home and we were all listening. And so many people got outraged and actually started doing something about it. And, um, yeah, I really hope this, can be the actual start for some meaningful change um Mm -hmm. because we definitely need it um you know not only in the u.s but canada is pretty pretty fucked up in that regard too so we all have a lot of work to do
1: yeah always and i mean
0: in my mind i'm
1: i'm always thinking about time hopping and and what it would be like if you know Martin Luther King was alive. I, at the uh, Chicago History Museum, we went to. There was uh, I, I went for the Vivian Meyer exhibition, which was phenomenal. But um, oh. there was also a piece. Uh, it, it was it was amazing. But it was like with Martin Luther King, there was uh, an exhibition. I I want to say it's a permanent exhibition there. But um, but yeah, it was just it was the photographs of. Um, the marches and everything that was happening in chicago, and um, it was it was jarring to see how familiar it was of what's been happening, and when they say history repeats it's just as as a photographer looking at those images thinking <laughs> like, it's it's happening now it's been happening, you know.
0: Yeah, like it's um, it it has been happening for for ages. Like it's not it's not a new thing, um. And yeah, we are doomed to sort of keep repeating history until we actually face it. Um, and it's also kind of unfortunate that like a lot of this stuff is is baked into the way that our societal construct has been built, where it's it's hard to really um, face these racist issues and these systemic problems because they're so integrated into just how our government systems work and how the welfare systems work and all that where there's just like some inherent racism and how those function (laughs) and how law enforcement functions and, and all that. So it's not just a matter of being like, there's racism, we need to end it. It's like, yes, there's racism, we need to end it, but we also need right. to either reform or abolish these these racist systems that have perpetuated all of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's um, a lot of fun. And then in Canada, we're also facing a lot of issues with, uh, with indigenous um, atrocities that have happened here, like the... The latest news being, um, you know, mass graves of children that they've found from residential schools. And, um, you know, when this stuff came up just a few months ago, it was like 215 children, but now we're like near 6,000 children that they found in graves. And there's still like another hundred or so residential schools for them to investigate. So. I wouldn't be surprised if the number got into the tens of thousands of, of children that they find in mass graves that um, were effectively legally murdered by the church and the state to reform Indigenous people in this country. and
2: Unbelievable.
0: Make, yeah, make Canada a safer place for, for white folks. And so there's going to be a lot of really difficult conversations coming out of all that news here soon. So,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, and it definitely it tarnishes the the vibe that a lot of people have when they think about Canada being this like super altruistic, kumbaya kind of nation hey, my- people.
1: Yeah, so,
0: yeah, it's it's all sorts of fun, and it's just interesting too, like being a, a creative and talking with other creatives is like trying to find ways to do more than just be upset or be like, this is a really mm-hmm. sad, thing. It's like, you know, trying to find ways with, with our skills or our privilege or our access to things to help uh, make more of a difference than just being like, well, that's really sad.
1: Very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I guess that's, for me, um, Diana Arbus was and is a huge inspiration um, as far as uh, her desire of what subjects that she wants to photograph, and especially during her time. I mean, granted, it's um, and and it's so beautifully um, celebrated. I, at least from my perspective, as far as um, just all walks of life and uh, and who people truly are, and how they're able to express that, and the way that Diane during that time they were considered as outcasts and um, and she sought after that she wanted to meet of what she she described as the freaks because that's what they were told all their lives, and for her to just want to bring that to light that she saw that as beauty versus you know seeking out the movie stars and um, a familiar face that people viewed as as beautiful or um, I don't know it's it's um, it's interesting of uh, with photography, you're able like what you' were saying of the Route 66 and meeting people along the way and their willingness of, of being able to talk to people who aren't used to being talked to or um, showing that they're beautiful when they themselves don't think that and they've never been told that, you know? So it's, um, yeah, just I, and I've said this time and time again, whenever I, I get on kind of a subject, Uh, With friends about um, about photographing a portrait is to listen to um, audio tapes. Uh, It's uploaded on YouTube, but it's Diane's daughter who brought it to light, and uh, it was a um, someone that was attending her class. She taught at university for a while, Um, and just. I mean, she knew she was being recorded as far as, you know, the student who would go home and translate it to understand the assignment or or whatnot. But um, she got a hold of the tapes, and you can listen to it. And it's just – it almost brings me to tears every time I listen to it. And I I try to go back to it often because it's it's the root of photography. It's bringing to light of what it's all about and having a voice for it. And – in seeking out stories and not necessarily in a a selfish way, but a selfless way of um, showing kind of more pieces to the puzzle of our world, but.
0: That's really beautiful. I don't know. I I need to check out more of her work like that. I really like that, that mm -hmm. ideology.
1: I'll send you the link. It's just, yeah, it's really cool. I, I just, I always love to hear photographers of, um, their inner thoughts of of things that's her specifically and her story. It's just, yeah, it's really cool. I recommend everyone to watch it.
0: <laughs> that's very cool. Um, yeah, if you, if you share it, I will definitely put the link to that. Um, when I upload the, the chat onto YouTube, onto a podcast, so people can oh. reference that. Yeah. It looks like it's getting pretty yeah, light. Yeah, there's, there's so
1: many golden. It is. And I, I'm sorry, I was going to turn on some lights, but
0: the, no, the natural
1: funny. light went down really quick.
0: <laughs> sorry, you, you're saying there's so it's many. It's so like...
1: moody.
0: <laughs> There's so many like golden nuggets in in that uh, interview you're talking about or
1: yeah just, just like just pieces that make you think think about it you know think about things differently view the world a little differently
0: I like that kind of stuff because it's it's nice to think outside of the these concepts um, that we kind of get preordained into ourselves, or these like sort of routines and ruts that we get into. It's it's nice to hear new things to kind of freshen things up. And Sparks and Bark says, yeah. "Alex, you are a very inspiring woman."
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think it's Diane Arbus, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That sounds like it would have been a great exhibit to see too in person.
1: Hi buddy. Oh my gosh. I'm sure.
0: Sorry, my doggo just came up to say hi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my cat was doing the same and I think he gave up. <laughs> He's probably asleep. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the the cats have been in and out of here a few times, and they don't like that I don't pay attention to them. But the dogs have been napping for most of the chat. Yeah, I know. He just woke up from his nap. He's like, give me attention. (laughs) (laughs) They're really great. I I mean, I really appreciate you spending this time with me because, I mean, up until this moment, we were uh, relative strangers that had just talked to each other briefly on the internet. So, um, you know, I, yeah. I'm very grateful that um, you accepted my invitation to come spend some time and chat on here with, uh, with the folks that tune in. And, um, you know, I, I echo uh, the, the comment that you are a very inspiring woman.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This, this was a fun first time for me of, of being able to see um, everyone who was, was willing and able to watch along with us for this conversation.
0: Hey, buddy. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Sorry. I think he, just a sec, he needs to go do <laughs> okay. That's Ping Ping. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> there was sweet. I
1: wish He's I could have bye as well.
0: <laughs> you can't. You can't have dogs where you are. Or?
1: Oh no! I we can we can have dogs, but um, but no, I I don't know where Laszlo is, but I was gonna say I'd I'd have him come and say goodbye as well, but. <laughs>
0: Well, again, like, thank you so much for for hopping on here and spending time with me. Um, It's always nice to talk with another um, interesting creative person. And you've definitely left me with a lot of food for thought. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing that link um, when when you do send it out there. Yeah. uh...
1: No, that's amazing. Thank you again. And I'm so excited to see. I mean, it is like a show and tell. I want to, I want to see what you've been up to, with the Polaroid project too,
2: and this book.
0: I'll I'll send you an email, and we'll we'll share, we'll share some, uh, some work and notes, and uh, then uh, I've got uh, next week is going to be an early episode, um, just availability with the guests. So we're going to be on Tuesday, but next week I'm going to have. Someone who goes by two sharp teeth on Instagram. Their name is Kelly and they have a really beautiful body of work and uh, excited to have them on next week. So you know, thank you again, Alistair. Oh I thank can't wait you to in. Oh.
2: Of course.
0: Sorry, I, I think my internet is a little who sketchy over here.
1: Or mine. It must be going out just like the natural light. <laughs> <laughs>
0: on that note um you have a great weekend oh sorry go ahead
1: no i was just gonna say i can't wait to tune into that episode as well
0: absolutely it's i i can't wait for uh the chance to record it and uh you know i hope you enjoy it and um that everyone enjoys it as well too and uh you know i hope you have a great week and weekend and uh yeah, looking forward to talking to you again in the future
2: yes very much so all right. yay okay goodbye all <laughs> goodbye right. for take now
0: <laughs> yes goodbye for now and uh okay you, know, you too out there, everyone. <laughs> okay all right bye
2: till next time
0: exactly